moment, I'm going to show you a video. It's a video, uh, a very special video. Uh, a very important part of it is. A very important moment in my life. It's not, it's not exactly what I would have wanted, uh, but it's still very important. Paul, can you show I think, the IMG video, if that's okay? And there's a little bit of sound in there. Uh, you might appreciate it straight away.
This starts, doesn't it? In the beginning was the Word. It says that the Word existed before creation. It says that the Word is God, God's self. And then in verse 14 it says that God came down, that the Word came down in human form. So we are left with no, uh, no ambiguity from John's writing. But his belief was that Jesus was the Son of God. And that actually Jesus was there at the very beginning, begotten, not created. He was there in the beginning, before we even existed. He was part of creation. The danger sometimes is we think that God or Jesus just all of a sudden came at Christmas and that there was no Jesus, there was no Son of God before the Nativity. But John very clearly in his writing says that Jesus the Son of God was there before all time. And we can say, well, that's great, because John had hindsight, and he could look back and put some of the pieces of the puzzle together. But if we look in the Old Testament, look at Daniel 3, the signs of the Messiah. The three visitors that appear in the tent, some would attribute to the Trinity in Genesis 18. Genesis 1, the creation itself, is one of the very few times that God is described as Elohim, which is plural. The rest of the time it's singular. And what does God say? God does not say, let me. He says, let us create. Isaiah 48, 16. All of these are Old Testament passages that talk of the Trinity. Of Jesus not being just some creation that God thought up of to sort out humanity. But the Son of God was there before time. <coughs> was there existing with the Father and the Spirit in heaven. Three in one. One in three. If you want me to explain how that works, I'll give up now. We don't know. It's faith. Something can exist in three parts, yet be completely and utterly one. But if we thought of that, the journey that the Son of God made to be a babe, to be a babe, the cost, heavenly divinity versus human divine. The one who saw stars being created, the earth being created, formed out of nothing. All power and glory and splendor comes to a backward stable in a smelly animal shelter <clears throat> for us. Do you ever think what the Son of God gave up? Now, I'm not trying to humanise everything. And I'm not saying you know, there was a discussion in heaven where God the Father said to God the Son, ah, I need you to do something for the Son. I'm not saying that. There's a beautiful symmetry in that trinity 
them existing together. But there must be a moment when the Son of God knew that he had to come to earth for us. The contrast for him of close communion in the Trinity in heaven to being this vulnerable baby that needed its nappy change, <coughs> that needed to be fed, that needed to rely on human hands. Uh, lots of friends, uh, friends I say, are on a Facebook group with clergy, and half of them is a little bit harsh, are banning away in a manger, they can't stand singing it anymore. Purely from that line, no crying he makes. <laughs> People want to change lots of crying, he's just babies. A baby doesn't cry, we worry. Let's, let's get this, this image of, of a, a very sterile manger where this baby lies with a halo showing above his head with big blue eyes and and white skin and, and looking up to heaven and holding his hands out in worship already. Let's get real. This was a Middle Eastern baby who cried, who was probably vomited, <laughs> who needed a mother's arm or a father's hand to burp them, to clean them, to clothe them. That's the journey the Son of God made. Wow. This was something that was chosen. No point do I think God the Father forced or the Spirit in the close communion of the Trinity said, I know you're not going to like this, somebody, you've got to go. No, no argument. Nothing like that. God, God's self, chose to come and to be the light of the world. We don't have much of an image of, of what happened to Jesus in his formative years. And, and I imagine some of you thinking, Tim, we're in Advent now. Why are you talking about the baby being born? But I just want us to think of a moment of, of that moment of this, this child learning to walk. This child learning to interact with friends. This is the Son of God who took the journey from heaven to earth in order to be our light. Many people say to me when they talk of the Old Testament, how can we see such brutality in the Old Testament when <coughs> speaking of God of love? What I might say next might be slightly controversial and you're welcome to come and speak to me afterwards. But I sometimes look at the Old Testament and the Old Testament Let's, let's not say that in any way. It's vital to understand the journey of God's people. But I always think if the God's people had got things completely right and heard from God in exactly the right way, then why would there be any need for Jesus? See, I think as we look through the journey of God with God's people, God is going, no, you've misheard me again. You've got it wrong. You haven't got it right. And so that's why God himself comes down to earth to show people the love of the Father. You've not grasped what I said at the beginning. 
where we created the people Israel. You haven't got it. You haven't grasped it. You haven't realized the freedom it gives, not the oppression it gives. You haven't realized that this is for all people, not just for you. So as we look at the Old Testament, we have to reason why does God come and my approach, and you can come and speak to me afterwards, is because they didn't always get it right. And so God sent himself to be the light of the world. And what does light do? Well, light shows the way, doesn't it? A torch. Uh, even we've got our candles over there at the moment. In the darkness, they show up the darkness and bring light. Not just any light. It is the source of all light. It is the source of all light in which all other created light comes from. And what does it show in the darkness? It shows the way to the Father. The light of the world shows the way to the Father. As God came down to earth, the tri Trinity is stretched. Not stretched beyond breaking point, but stretched. They go from a tight communion in heaven to divinity here on earth. And all through this, all through his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, the Spirit sending, all of it points to the Father. Yeah, that's why I love the book of John so much. If you'd say, what's your favourite gospel? And I know it's a question you get asked often. What's your favourite gospel? For me, it's John. Because John is showing through all that he writes that everything Jesus was doing was he doesn't talk about miracles. He talks about signs. Jesus did this on earth in order to show the abundance and the love of the Father. So that has to teach us, doesn't it? Why did God make that journey to earth? To demonstrate to us we too must point to the Father. The journey that Christ made from heaven to earth was to show us the love, the passion, the care, the care, the glory of the Father. <coughs> do we do the same? In all that we do, do we point glory, love, and care to the Father? Maybe we look back, I look back this week, and your first thought is the times you haven't, isn't it? <laughs> the times when you've got angry, the times when you've been impatient with someone, the times when you've not given someone the time that they needed. You see, what Jesus is saying and showing is that he came to show us that we need to emulate emulate what he did here on earth and to show us the love of the Father. Do you know, it might sound strange, but this week as I was preparing, I don't think I'd ever really thought about the cost 
for God himself to come here on earth as a baby. We kind of just get to this moment in Christmas, don't we? And God came down from heaven to earth to be a baby. Some people who are very much of the opinion of 
of Jesus taking now, because actually life's too complicated, life's difficult, which is much easier if Jesus comes back tomorrow and then everything will be okay. It's like the Jews thought that as well. If the Messiah was to come tomorrow, everything would be okay. But friends, if we have an imaginable kind of second coming is going to happen, let's look back when Christ first came. It wasn't as people expected. But are we ready? Are we ready in our daily lives to emulate Christ? <coughs> to emulate the peace that he showed? To emulate the love that he showed? To even emulate the vulnerability of the show? emulate the grace that was shown. The journey that the Son of God made to be a baby is miraculous in itself. It's amazing in itself. Some of the Jews were ready, some of them weren't. Are we ready to receive Christ again afresh in our hearts, in our lives? Are we ready to receive the love that he gives? Is it the fact that we've never accepted Christ and we need to do that for the first time today? Or is it the fact that we've realised we've lost Emmanuel? We've lost it in our hearts, God with us, in our daily living out. And so friends, as we get closer to Christmas Day, about eight days away, more than that, I think next Sunday was the 24th, it's not, is it? <laughs> 15 days away, there we go. But as we get closer to that time, <coughs> are we ready? Are we ready for Emmanuel? Are we ready for Christ to come again? Are we ready to once again retell that story and know the cost that God made to me? My challenge this week is very simple. 